Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wednesday, January 4th, and welcome to the Just Baseball Show. I'm Peter Apple. That's Arm Layton, and we have a very special guest joining us. It is Foolish Baseball or Bailey Freeman. You got to check out his YouTube channel. He is personally one of my favorite baseball creators. I know Arm loves him too. Everyone in the baseball community loves Foolish Baseball. And in this episode, we are doing a snake draft of the best off seasons so far in Major League Baseball. There's a couple more free agents out there, but basically everyone's been signed. Hopefully Brian Reynolds gets traded, but probably not. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about what has been signed. Bailey, welcome to the show. Do you prefer Foolish or do you prefer Bailey? Well, I'm foolish Bailey on the Zoom call right now. I guess I'll be <laughs> Bailey from here on out. Perfect. We'll call you Bailey and also commonly known to as Jeff Passan's best friend. But I don't right. think I don't think that like you're Jeff Passan's best friend. But I don't know if Jeff Passan is your best friend. Kind of no, an acquaintance, he, right? He's my he's my enemy, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> so he just doesn't know. What's up, Bob? You know, I'm, I'm excited to hear a little bit about the origins of everything, too, and, and how you've gotten into what you're doing, because, you know, I think you were you were ahead of the curve when it comes to, you know, the content creation on the baseball side. I think we're just now kind of seeing a boom in a lot of ways of the way YouTube is being used. Uh, but before we even get into like the, the media side of it, how would you land on on foolish baseball? Uh, like what was what was the origin of foolish baseball? And, uh, you know, how'd you get there? Yeah, I mean, so as far as the name itself, it's a it's a little bit of a play on Keith Law's book, Smart Baseball, um, which I think for a lot of people is probably like close to a foundational text for them if they got into the sabermetric movement around 2016, 2017, 2018. I, of course, started with Moneyball, so I've you know been in that game for a while. But um, yeah, it's it's a play on Keith Law's Smart Baseball. I wanted to create something that was sort of in that vein, but maybe a little bit less like patting myself on the back and thus the title <laughs> foolish baseball was born um which say hey we're gonna you know make analytics sabermetrics accessible to the youtube audience but you know we're not gonna try to be that smarmy about it um not to disparage keith law in any way i think his book's great yeah and we uh <laughs> bailey and i met at the uh winter meetings and um i saw him walking down the hallway and i had to go say what's up to him because again love his content you have to go check it out on YouTube. The link is in our episode description. If you're listening to this episode, you probably have checked it out, but if you haven't, you must. So we were talking kind of at the winter meetings too, about how you kind of started. Um, you have the origin around the name, but what made you think, all right, I'm going to start creating YouTube videos and creating this new type of baseball content. Yeah. Well, it was a, it was a marriage of two, two things that I loved, which is I loved, you know, editing video and I loved baseball, but it wasn't until I was out of college that I really started to combine the two. Uh, the channel itself actually launched when I was living in Germany. I lived in Germany for a year after I finished uh, college. And while I was in Germany, I sort of started to miss, you know, America's pastime, among other things. It was a form of homesickness for me. And so while I was there, I started making videos about the video game out of the park baseball, which, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening have played, but if not, it's basically a 
baseball GM spreadsheet simulator type game. It's awesome, but uh, it has kind of a steep learning curve. And so I started making little tutorials for that. That's how I kind of got my initial audience of baseball nerds. And then from there, I kind of shifted the content and I started to make the uh, the video essay baseball bits type of content you see still on my channel today made a few of those. And the one that blew up was about Justin Verlander. And I remember in the span of, you know, a week, a hundred thousand people watched it and Justin Verlander tweeted about it. And, uh, from there, I was just kind of on this, uh, really crazy upward trajectory. So what's always interesting to me, and it, and it, it kind of applies to a lot of different, like, professions and realms, especially in the content creation side of things. You, you have an artist make a, make a song that that's a big time hit. How do you follow that up? Right. Or an artist that, that paints something that's beautiful. How do you follow that up? You know, for you, you have that big break, but then you follow it up with just consistently great content to build to where you are today. And, um, how did you follow that up? What was your, your philosophy on that point? Cause you, you know, you, you kind of strike gold there with the Verlander video. I'm sure there was that pressure of like, all right, what do I do next? How do I continue to give people what they want? Uh, you know, what was your, what was your thought process there and, and how were you able to kind of follow that up with, with more hits uh, for lack of a better term? Well, you gotta, you gotta listen to the feedback and, you know, in, in ways the, the, the aggressiveness of the YouTube algorithm, I'm sure for you guys at points, you know, the TikTok algorithm um, gives you all the feedback you need. And if something works, you keep doing it. So I yeah. stuck with that format and I think as far as like just, um, you know, continuing to produce video like that, I, you know, there were a few realizations along the way. One was that I, I am a better, you know, I'm better off suited as a presenter and an entertainer than I am a serious baseball analyst. So, you know, at certain points I was like, okay, well, this is supposed to, you know, people are being informed by this, but it's entertainment first. And so you, you sort of make these discoveries about what your content really means along the way. Um, and so, you know, once you get that feedback though, once you get that first hit, you got to keep, you know, following it up with similar stuff, but at least different enough that people aren't like, well, I've already seen this one before. Yeah. Comment sections on social media are a beautiful thing, aren't they? Especially on TikTok. And I know you on YouTube, like you got to weed through all of the your ass comments and you don't know what you're talking about comments because there is some constructive criticism in there. Like some people yes. genuinely enjoy your content and want to leave tips Most. or things Most that they want to see. Yeah. Most do. It's just they hate louder, I think. Yeah, they hate yeah. it louder. And on this episode, we are snake drafting best off seasons. So I'm sure the comment sections are going to go wild on this mm -hmm. one. So we'll start, we'll go around the horn instead of one, two, three, then back to one. So the third overall pick doesn't get screwed the entire time. We're going to go, we'll give foolish baseball, the number one pick Aram, You could have the number two pick all of the number third, and then I'll go back around with number four. And we are now kind of ranking or choosing the best off season in our mind. And remember, we haven't talked about this pre-record. We don't know who's going to pick. We also, People judge off seasons differently. We all have different opinions of how each off season went. Do we like a certain player more than maybe someone else? And we'll have to decide and debate. And that's what's going to make this episode fun because we thought at the beginning, well, should we just do our top five? But then we're all just going to keep butting heads. It might be fun to talk about the ninth best off season, maybe the right. bees of the world. So Bailey, foolish baseball, your best off season, the number one pick. It's, it's chalky as can be, but it's the New York Mets. And the, the curious thing about the Mets is in with this Correa thing up in the air, if, if they don't get Correa, then you could argue that this offseason was kind of a lateral move for them. Um, but a lateral move is huge for them because coming into this offseason, they were in like a really dire situation, actually, in terms of players becoming free agents. You know, they had uh, gone toe to toe with the Braves for the division. They lost and then they got you know knocked out in the playoffs. So they, they needed to keep pace with the top of the National League. And it looked like they weren't going to be able to do that. But instead, Steve Cohen realized that money is fake. It's a it social is. construct. Yep. <laughs> and he just went and just signed everybody. Everyone got 
either extended like, you know, uh, Nemo, for example, or, or adequately replaced, you know, um, you lose DeGrom, but you get Verlander, you, you lose Bassett, but you get, you know, Kodaisenga. Um, so right now they're in a situation to be just as good, if not better than last year, which quite frankly is a miracle considering the situation they're coming into a few months ago. If they get Correa, that will be just the absolute cherry on top. And just fill in slight gaps. Like you said, they replaced Taiwan Walker with Jose Quintana. They um, traded for Brooks Raley, you know, got back Edwin Diaz, Adam Adovino. They spent the most money and they got all the good players. And now they're going to have a payroll that breaks every single rule book. And now they have to create new rules for Steve Cohen. And he only breaks his own rules. Aram, the Mets had to be the number one choice, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those where, you know, I, I think we're going to give the Yankees some credit too, even though you could argue in, in a lot of ways. I think mean, they put themselves over the top with other moves. We'll, we'll talk about that. But a lot of it was just being able to retain what you have. And, and that's right. really hard in, in a game where if you can't do the the magical Alex Anthopoulos pre-arb deals, it's really hard in an open market to to get your guys back. And if money doesn't matter, I, I absolutely think it was a uh, a great offseason for the Mets. And, and I think they you know, probably got better with or without Correa, given what they're going to get or what they're replacing versus what they got from DeGrom last year and what they're probably going to get from Verlander this coming season, given that he threw 175 innings last year. Yeah, they're the number one offseason. And we aren't even totally sure on Carlos Correa. And we'll continue to update you guys on the Just Baseball show on JustBaseball.com about the whole Correa saga. But as currently, we have no idea. There is not a lot of information that's come out. We're just kind of waiting. And we're also in this weird time through the holidays where even if something was going to come out, no one's working. Everyone's just having holidays with their family. Um, Number two pick. Number two is you know, kind of to build off of, of what Bailey said here is, is another team that kind of made money seem fake. And it's the Texas Rangers, right? I mean, Jacob deGrom, it really risky signing five years, 185 million, not my money. Don't care. Uh, it's still Jacob deGrom. So whenever, whenever you're able to add a Jacob deGrom, whenever you're able to add, you know, all of the other guys that they added to the fold here, uh, I think their rotation as, and I thought Bailey actually had a great tweet about this. Widest variance potentially, but if they get to their 80th, you know, 90th percentile outcome, this could be the best rotation in baseball for the Texas Rangers to be in that position, uh, given where they were at pitching wise last year. I mean, that, that is a far cry, uh, from, from where they were at. And, you know, even to get Martin Perez back on a one-year deal to get Nathan Eovaldi in the fold there, I, you know, the offense, I'm, I'm interested to see how it all comes together a lot still on the shoulders of, of youngsters like Josh Young and, and, and some other young guys. But, um, I, I think Heaney was one of the more underrated signings of this offseason. So it wasn't just throwing money left and right. Like they did it in some spots, but I thought two years, 25 million for Heaney was pretty smart and a good use of funds. So you know, I thought they balanced the exorbitant spending with also some strategic ads. And I really like where this team is at as they, you know, combine spending with building a sustainably good farm. Bailey, this Texas Rangers team is really hard to read. What's yeah. your outlook on them for 2023? I, I feel pretty like good about them. Like, I feel like they'll definitely be in the mix for a playoff spot come September, which I think is ultimately their goal. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I mentioned it earlier on Twitter, but uh, you know, on a coming into the opening series last year, Dane Dunning was their number two starter. Now he's in that six, seven range. And I think you can learn a lot about how good a team actually is just by judging purely off who's their, who's their, you know, sixth or seventh best starting pitcher. Um, as far as the lineup, it has potential. There are some really iffy spots there. I'm I'm excited about Simeon and Seeger year two. I think they have a very good chance to uh, do significantly better than they did in their first years with the Rangers. And they were already the Rangers' two best position players last year. So when you combine them with the new additions, particularly in the starting rotation, uh, I, I, I like where the Rangers are, you know, I don't think there's any guarantee for a playoff spot, but I do think they will be competing for one come September. I think it's all about health for them. Like if DeGrom can stay healthy, if the rotation can stay healthy, adding Evaldi certainly helps. And then if the offense just keeps hitting, I mean, Nathaniel Lowe, silver slugger, Adolis Garcia in center field, not even talking about the infield that's worth $500 million. This team could be sneaky, but 
this division overall, the AL West with the Astros and the Angels and the Mariners and now the Rangers, is becoming one of the best divisions overall in baseball. Uh, the number three overall pick, I'm going to go, and I have the fourth pick, so I get to kind of combine these two. I'm going with the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, my fourth pick is they're right there, but they brought back a lot of the players that they already had. So I'm going to go with the Phillies. They went to the World Series and then they got Trey Turner for 11 years, $300 million. And not only was the Trey Turner signing so good in general because he's one of the best players in baseball, but he fills a need, right? You get to move Bryson Stott over. That was really kind of the weakness of the Philadelphia Phillies. And they almost continue to keep doubling down on, I guess, the lack of defense, um, you could say, but... Trey Turner gives you everything else. Speed, bat to ball, power, one of the best overall players. Then you get Tywin Walker, who, you know, I thought it was a lot of money at the time, but then we saw how the market evolved and we saw that all of these guys got a ton of money too. So you look back at the deal and think to yourself, you look at Tywin Walker's stats over the last couple of years and think to yourself, yeah, was it a bit of an overpay? Maybe, but they had to replace some guys. So I like that deal. And they also added to the bullpen with Matt Strom and Craig Kimbrell. So overall, I think the Phillies had a really good off season. Anything guys, uh, Bailey will go to you. Anything on the Phillies before I move on to the fourth pick. It's classic Dombrowski. Like they, they see that they have a championship window open. They go sign Trey Turner. He's going to probably not be good on the back half of that deal. But if they win in a world series in the next few years, it does not matter whatsoever. Arm, do the Phillies have to do anything else you think? I don't think so. I think just hope Andrew Painter can, can continue on his trajectory. And that's kind of the, the, the guy that could put him over the top, I think, because everything else is, is, is good. I think they're in a really good position to, to have a great first half. And then if they can have those reinforcements coming up, you know, through, through their own system, that that's really all they need. I think they've put themselves in a really, really good spot in a balanced spot. So if I didn't pick the, uh, if I didn't pick the Rangers, I, I would have had the Phillies probably right there too. Yeah, I think we're going chalk. I think I would have gone Mets one, Rangers two, Phillies three. And then number four, I'm going to go with the New York Yankees. You get Aaron Judge for nine years, $360 million after an historic season. And you got to go check out Bailey's video on YouTube. I just finished it up. The year of the Judge baseball bits. Got to go check that out on Bailey's YouTube channel. Aaron Judge, you had to sign him. Carlos Rodon, though, you didn't have to sign him because the rotation was already really strong. But signing Carlos Rodon, I think, gives the Yankees the best rotation in baseball. Um, You have Nestor Cortez Jr., you have Garrett Cole, you have Luis Severino, you have Frankie Montas, who was dealing with that shoulder problem. Didn't have a great first couple of months with the Yankees, but I do think he's going to rebound. And then you put Carlos Rodon in that rotation. And by fan graphs, Rodon is projected to have the same kind of year as Garrett Cole, at least by F4. Carlos Rodon, one of the best left-handed pitchers in baseball. Now, was the contract pretty big? Yeah, but I would have given him even more because I truly think when healthy, Rodon is one of the best pitchers in baseball, easily one of the best left-handed pitchers. It's just about staying healthy for him. And then they bring back Anthony Rizzo, which is huge. Big fan favorite over there at Yankee Stadium. And he's still one of the better first basemen in baseball, especially with banning the shift and those leadership qualities. And then you get Tommy Canley in the bullpen, who is a great bounce back candidate, again, staying healthy. And it's hard not to call the Yankees, if not the Astros, the prohibitive favorites to come out of the American league. The Yankees had a great off season, right, Bailey? Totally agree. And and you said yourself, they, they project to be probably the best rotation in baseball. It's, it's kind of them in the Mets in a one, a one B and then the, the Rangers could be up there for sure. But yeah, I think just that, you know, they extend judge. Um, they, they kind of had to, they're, they were kind of backed into that corner and they did it. And if they hadn't done it, as I said, in my, year of the judge video, they wouldn't be the New York Yankees. Uh, and then they get Carlos Rodon on top of that. So I, I think it was a great off season. I actually had them third on my board ahead of the Phillies. Arm, I stole them. Ah, I kind of picked both of them. So it doesn't really count, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck here. Cause there, there's two teams that I, that I was, you know, kind of, kind of back and forth between, uh, but, but ultimately I, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the blue Jays because I wow. think the blue Jays wow. made a sneaky move that there are a couple. Well, first of all, Chris Bassett, I know it's not the sexiest move in the world. I know we're probably expecting him to take a little bit of a step back, but they really needed an insurance policy. I think they just needed a reliable guy in that rotation. And like, let's be real. Bassett was better than Barrios by a good margin last year. And, and if Barrios struggles again, like 
They every, need Bassett. Every, everybody was better than yeah, Bruce. you and I were better than him too. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know, the, the point being, you know, they, they need somebody else that they can trust. That rotation, it, there wasn't much trust beyond you know the the front two guys. And then, yeah, sure, well, we talked about it along in the podcast. Like Moreno, you were never going to get the exact value for a, for a Gabriel Moreno, a top ten prospect in baseball, a catcher with a plus plus hit tool. But you know, t- to go get an outfielder who had 27 home runs, one of the best defenders in the game in the outfield this past season, who can also catch and be that third catcher for you uh, and, and is under control for a handful of years. Now, I, I really do feel like on top of just adding Kevin Kiermaier, which I know is not the biggest move in the world, but you know what really kind of helps solidify this defensive outfield and take some of the pressure off of Springer, who can now DH a little bit and try to stay healthy. This could be one of the better defensive outfields in baseball. They got that left-handed bat they needed. They got another left-handed bat that's okay in Kevin Kiermaier. They got the pitcher. Um, I, I really like what they're doing. And also Nate Pearson was looking good in the lightum. So uh, I'm going to kind of throw that into the offseason with, with Nate Pearson throwing well in, in the winter league. So probably a little bit of a reach here, but I'm just really excited about what they're doing. And I thought it was a really good trade. You don't get to find outfielders with that much control very often. So when you first said it, I did think it was kind of a reach because I had the Blue Jays. I was thinking maybe I can grab them with my last pick or maybe in another round. But the more you talk about it, the more I think to myself, yeah, they actually had a pretty good offseason. And I think it's base, not base because they did a lot more, but that trade. So, Bailey, I'm really curious. What were your initial thoughts? Because we've been talking about this trade at length because there hasn't been that much going on. And it was one of the biggest trades of the offseason, maybe the biggest trade of the offseason with the Blue Jays getting Dalton Varsho over for the Arizona Diamondbacks in exchange for Lordy Scurriel Jr. and top prospect Gabriel Moreno. What was your initial reaction? And then you let it sit with you, I assume. And now your thoughts on that big trade. Initial reaction was it it seemed like a lot to give up for Varsho. Um, and then, you know, once you let it sit for a while, you're like, this is, this is a win-win for both teams. I mean, I really like it for Arizona as well on their side. So um, I think it's, I think it's great for the Blue Jays. I think it's great for uh, the Dimebacks. I think it's great for all the players involved who are going to have, you know, better opportunities either way. So I'm, um, I'm really happy with the trade from all angles. So on, on our side, we think the Diamondbacks are going to be kind of sneaky next year. So we had, um, and this is really on the backs of arm because arm looks at, you know, the prospects who's coming up and he was on um, the Mariners two years ago after they had their great season, then the Orioles last year. And now arms big team. And he's convinced all of us that the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be that team that, you know, maybe listed at 67 and a half wins on sports books for their over under win total, but could be an 82 win team. Do you feel that same kind of feeling about the Diamondbacks? Maybe sneaky elite as I like to over exaggerate. Absolutely. Like a hundred percent. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. It does come down to like uh kind of back end of the rotation. They yeah. have talented arms like uh, Trey Jameson, uh, Ryan Nelson. These aren't name brand players. They're not really established in the big leagues yet, but they are talented and they can be good. I just think full season of like uh, Corbin Carroll and like McCarthy like that, that's going to be a big boost for them. And I'm really, really excited for Brandon Fott, who I think doesn't yeah, get enough great. love because he's pitching in the PCL, but y- you look at the, you know, what he has four pitches can strike guys out. He's the kind of guy that and then gets overlooked with the high threes PCL ERA, then goes up to the big leagues and maybe improves his ERA. Uh, what, sure. One of those rare cases. So I agree with you, man. I think the rotation, the back end is a big question, but they got some some options there if if one of them falters, which is which is why I'm I'm all in on the D backs. I grew up a Marlins fan, by the way, Bailey. So I'm out and like beat up from that as a kid. So I'm sure, I'm sure. all in on the D backs this year. Bailey, did uh, the Marlins getting Gene Segura make your sixth best offseason? <laughs> yeah, I think I had that as my uh, 26th best offseason. <laughs> not bad. Not 30th arm. No, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Six pick, Bailey. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I don't know if this is a hot take at all. I'm going to go with San Diego Padres because they signed a player named Xander Bogarts. Uh, I think Xander Bogarts is just amazing. I think he's so consistent. I like signing him to the long-term deal because the bat is going to hold and they're going to be able to move him around to different positions as he ages. And I think he will just generally age more gracefully than some of these other shortstops we've seen signed to, you know, 10 plus year deals. Um, They have they have question marks for sure. Like they haven't really addressed the catcher position at all, but 
you know, this is one of those don't overthink it. They signed Xander Bogarts. They'll figure out how to align the infield later when Tatis gets back. They just added an amazing baseball player. And that's why I go with the Padres. Also like the Nick Martinez extension. I like him. Yeah, they also got uh, guys like Seth Lugo. You know, my only thing is what sort of moved the Padres down for me. I might have even gone them with the fifth pick. Um, But, you know, they were around this range five years for Robert Suarez Bailey. Like, did you did you factor that in where did you think that was a good deal? Where do you stand on these enormous reliever contracts that teams are now giving out? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the biggest reliever contracts ever given out. I think if you look at the leaderboards, um, I don't I don't mind it. It's a little bit iffy for me. But yeah, that was that was one that definitely gave me pause when it first like came across the ticker when I was watching MLB Network. Yeah, I was I was I was between the, the Padres and, and the Blue Jays, you know, and, and kind of making that pick. But ultimately, just looking at the outfield situation, I think they're the must pick where you just took them badly. But, uh, you know, the outfield situation is kind of what what did me into because, you know, Grisham had that magical, like little, little Mets series there. But other than that, you know, it was a really rough year. Uh, you've got a Zokar, you know, hopefully out there, I guess, as, as a factor for them. And then of course you have Juan Soto. I think they're hoping that maybe Tatis factors in, in some way. I don't know, but there's not very many other options in the outfield. I did like the Matt Carpenter signing though. And I think that's a very underrated signing there. I mean, we know what he did when he was on the field. And, And even if he can be a platoon bat for them, that's a nice, a nice little addition. They just needed more guys that, are capable of, of putting together, you know, decent offensive seasons to mix into the fold there, especially without Cronenworth has kind of trended backwards a little bit. The catching position, like Bailey said, being a big question mark, they hate Luis Camposano for whatever reason. Yeah, why? Like there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of answers that, 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 that we're kind of waiting for with this team, but you sign a Xander Bogarts, you're going to be better off than you were the year before, as Bailey said. So it's hard, it's hard to put them, you know, past this spot right here. And I one last thing about the San Diego Padres before we get to Bailey's seventh pick is I still don't know the legitimacy of them offering Aaron Judge 400 million. Mm-hmm. Like, Bailey, do you have you heard any more on that? Because, you know, that was floated because Aaron Judge just had a almost a better offseason than he did a season with the way he played everyone. Do you have did you find out anything more maybe at the winter meetings about that 400 million dollar offer from the Padres? Well, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It makes a fun tweet, right? When you say, Hey, the Padres offered 400 million after the fact, but you, but you just don't know. Maybe that, maybe that was a lot of like deferred money or something like that. You know, you just don't really know what a $400 million contract looks like. So, uh, and, and of course, I think we have uh, an understanding now, maybe even a greater understanding than we did a couple months ago that judge really wanted to be a Yankee. So, you know, to, to what extent he was even, uh, you know, flirting with the idea of being a Padre or a giant or just using that as leverage. Uh, I, th- I think he was kind of set on the Yankees all along, but he, but you're, you're right, Pete, in that he played the game. Well, yeah. oh, as well as anyone, right. Arm? Oh man, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. We kind of had a feeling, but I feel like all of us, like we kind of expected him to never leave the Yankees, but then he just was able to tease it just enough where we're like, Whoa, wait a second here. And, I teased uh, our guy, John Heyman, just a little bit enough too. <laughs> and he teased our co-host, Jack McMullen, who told me there was a 95-5 chance that he was going to the Giants instead of the Yankees. And I'm still going to hold that in my heart. As I didn't know he fan. said that. I missed Forever. that episode. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to rub it in his face every single time for the next, you know, nine years for yeah. $360 million. So Bailey, number seven. Yeah. So I, first of all, it's, I don't know how fair it is that I'm getting one, six and seven here, but uh, Welcome I'm, to the I'm, show. Yeah, I really, I really <laughs> we treat our guests well. Yeah, um, I really I you guys have totally backed me into this corner and I hate that I'm going to be the guy to say it, but I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Angels. Um, oh, let's go. <laughs> it's, it's because they did the thing that I that I want them always wanted them to do and they don't do it, which is they signed. They went volume and they signed uh, players that don't suck. And that's really what it comes. They have trout, you know, they have Otani. That's great. They can expect, you know, 15 wins above replacement from those two. So what you need to do is surround them with players that aren't just like total, you know, black holes, like replacement level or sub replacement, because every year they have these positions where they are replacement level, sub replacement level, and that's what drags them down. And this year they have signed a cadre of players that don't suck. Tyler Anderson does not suck. Brandon Drury does not suck. Gio Urshela does not suck. Hunter Renfro does not suck. So 
if you subscribe to the the Angels need players that don't suck theory, I think they've done a very good job because they're going to have a lot of plate appearances and extra innings now from once again, players that do not suck at baseball. It's an incredible theory. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. Who wins more games in 2023, the Angels or the Rangers? Uh, I'm going to go... I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Rangers just because I think it would be a little bit more exciting if they were the team that won more games, and also because I just I I I can't truly believe in the Angels until they show me something. Yeah, yeah. I'm a person who bets on the Angels over win total every year and always loses, but I'm thinking right. about it again this year. They have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout on the same team, Aram. They can't lose. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they no, can't lose. They should go undefeated. Uh, no, it, it, I. I was thinking about it and I was like, when, when can I justify taking, um, taking the angels here? I, I also, I know it doesn't factor into the off season move cause it was made at the deadline, but Logan O'Hoppy, you know, being that answer for them at the catching yeah. position, most likely, I mean, obviously he has to do it at the big league level, but the bat is, is legit. I, and I, he's obviously a great defender there. I think that really helps them too. And um, yeah, just surrounding them, like Bailey said, with guys that can at least just you know carry their own weight instead of having Otani and Trout carry everybody else and drag them to the finish line, which, you know, when, when Trout gets hurt, they can't even, you know, survive that. I think he's going to help a lot. And, and I'm very interested to see how that rotation fills out, but I like that pick. I, I, I thought you were going to say the Cubs to be honest, mm-hmm. uh, but no, I, I like the angels off season a little bit better. Arm, are you going with the Cubs at number eight or somewhere else? I'm going with the Cubs um, just because look, is it, is, is Dansby Swanson the number one guy I want for $177 million now? Um, But, you know, I think for the Cubs, I don't know how much, you know, Xander Bogarts wanted to play for the Cubs. I have no idea. I don't know how much Trey Turner wanted to play for the Cubs. I have no idea. Like, and I think that's something that often gets lost in, in, in this whole shuffle here is, you know, why didn't this X team sign Y player? Well, maybe Y player didn't want to play for X team. And you look at a lot of the other players, you know, Trey Turner signs with the, you know, a team that was just in the world series. You know, you, you see a, a Xander Bogart signing with a team that you know, made a dis- decent little run in the playoffs and is, has several hall of famers on that team, or at least a couple. You know, so you, you can kind of see how this thing shakes out. The Cubs are a little bit further away. So they also didn't have to give up the 10 plus year deal for a dance, be it seven years. It's a little bit more reasonable. Jamison Tyone, you know, he's another one of those guys that, you know, you brought it up on the podcast, you know, not too long ago, Peter of like, how much better is Chris Bassett than Jamison Tyone? Like it, it's, it's closer. I think than pe- people like to make it out to be um, and, and Tyone, you know, if he's healthy is, is a really solid pitcher. They just need guys that they can trust and, and rely on as, as the farm system continues to, you know, mature, you have Pete Crow Armstrong coming up, Brendan Davis, hopefully healthy and ready to go. Matt Mervis friend of the show that I think is, you know, going to be a, a monster next year at first base. So they've got the youngsters and I think they're balancing everything well of, you know, not compromising the future, not blocking anybody, but kind of filling in those little spots that, you know, maybe the farm system, it would be a little ambitious to hope that that could fill it in, but four years, 68 million for Tyone early part of the off season. Like we thought that was a little crazy. Now it looks like a very fine deal. Um, and then I think, you know, the Dansby deal really isn't that bad after all anyways, either. Um, you know, I just, I, I like the moves that they've made overall. Yeah. I think, I think you did a great job summarizing it. And I think it's kind of unfair to look at the Cubs off season and say, well, do you like Dansby Swanson deal or not? And if you don't, then it's a bad off season. Cause to your point arm, they filled in a lot of holes like Cody Bellinger in center field. Yeah. My favorite, uh, six inning relief righty who throws 93 Brad Boxberger. You know, mm-hmm. they even got Drew Smiley, who you know is going to throw like 150 innings of not the worst baseball, which is key for the Cubs. You know, and even getting Tucker Barnhart, like they added a lot of guys and filled a lot of holes with viable, decent baseball players. And, you know, we've spoken about it at lengths about the Dansby Swanson contract, where how do you think he's going to progress? Do you think he's a six war guy or do you think he's more of the three and a half war guy? But I think a middle ground of a four, four and a half war guy is worth this contract, especially because I don't think he's going to get worse at defense. And Dansby is one of the hardest workers in major league baseball. We've seen that as he's progressed year over year, former top overall pick Bailey. Now that we have you on the podcast, I have to ask you like, what were your thoughts on the Dansby Swanson signing? Yeah. I mean, I was ready to just kind of, uh, once I made my piece and realized that he wasn't going to be a brave, I was ready to just sort of like come down on whatever team that signed him. Because I mean, if I think there's just so many warning signs with him, you know, a lot of his 
peripheral type stats on the hitting last year were just completely in line with what he'd been doing throughout his career. He just happened to have better results. And, you know, you mentioned the defense and the aging, but he, he does not have the arm strength you expect from the prototypical shortstop, even though he's put up some good defensive metrics there as well. So I wasn't, I wasn't ever really going to be a fan of whatever team that signed him, but I mean, compared to the really inflated, contracts we saw from the other shortstops his seemed like fairly reasonable and fairly in line with what was being projected um and so in that regard i don't think the cubs like completely whiffed there the bellinger one i do want to talk about a little bit because look i don't it's tough because there's the the logical part of me says there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal but if there were such thing as one it could be this one because i you know they're relying on him big time in that center field position. And they're going to rely on him to return to at least uh, a, a decent level, like a 2020 type level. If they're going to compete for, you know, uh, a playoff spot in that NL central. And, but if he does do well, then he's probably just going to like, you know, boost his value and be a threat to leave them for the long term. And then if he doesn't do well, then they're not going to go anywhere. So uh, I, I, it's it's a it's a tricky one. So um, I will say if I if I have to just be nice to them about something, um, Jameson Jameson Tyone signed for less money than Taiwan Walker, you know, and that was I mean I would much rather have Tyone. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, are you a Bellinger believer or a Bellinger denier? I'm a I think I'm a denier at this point. I mean I the the change of scenery is pretty much like the the last thing he had to do. And it's like, but there's that part of me. It's like, man, if the Dodgers couldn't fix this guy, what are yeah. the Cubs going to do? That's arm. Those like, are my exact thoughts. Like yeah, he, exactly. the Dodgers couldn't fix him and you see who they've signed and they could even make, you know, I have my last overall pick. I'm not sure who I'm going to take yet. Like yeah. the Dodgers, if it's not the Dodgers, are the Cubs going to do it arm? Yeah, that's that's the concern. Right. And, and you know, it's the, the wonderful thing, the, the beautiful thing about hitting, though, at the same time is sometimes it takes one tweak, one person, one thought to really change everything. And obviously he's he's tried a lot, but I don't think he's tried quite everything yet. We've still kind of seen him kind of stay in that same stance in a lot of ways, those same, you know, pretty difficult moves to time up. One last question on this before we go to the, the last pick and I'll buy Peter a little bit more time to deliberate. Uh Bailey, being a guy that, you know, just followed Dansby for a while and, and, you know, obviously contract year, he, he, I wouldn't say emptied the tank, but he, he definitely, you know, kicked it into another gear. What would he have to do to make this contract worthwhile, you know, annually for the next five years, let's say like, is if he's a three and a half to four and a half win player for the next five years, is this a good contract? Is this you know on par? Like, and do you think, how feasible do you think that is? Yeah, I, I, I think you nailed it. I think that's the range we're looking at there. If he's, you know, if he's a three and a half four win player, uh, you know, for the next, you know, few years, then yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna return, you know, on their investment pretty well. But if he's just like an average, you know, two war guy, then it's, you're going to ask yourself, well, why didn't they just, you know, figure out something for second base and then keep Nico Horner at shortstop. Yeah. I am a believer of Dansby. I think he's a four war player, at least for the next three or four years. I think that contract, it's not going to age beautifully, but I think it ages well than the general public might think, I think, at this current moment. Uh, So for my last pick, um, there's a lot of different decisions. And uh, after I make this pick, uh, I'd like to deliberate on some teams that just missed the cut. But I'm going to go with the Seattle Mariners for the last pick. Um, They weren't shiny but i think they filled a lot of holes that could make the mariners go from a you know not a first round exit because they weren't because they beat the blue jays but a team that just needed a couple more guys in order to finally get to the upper echelon you know they traded from a strength they traded eric swanson and a minor league prospect for teoscar hernandez they needed some more pop in the lineup and teoscar say what you want about the glove but the bat i mean this guy rakes then you trade Winker and Abraham Toro away. And what did you need? You needed a second baseman and you get one of the best slick fielding second baseman who can still hit a little bit. And Colton Wong, you got Trevor Gott, I guess, in for agency added to the bullpen, who was a fine reliever for the Brewers, but they have so much strength there. And then you move off Kyle Lewis for Cooper Hummel. And I think 
Arm and I, you know, we've talked about this length with Jack as well, that this is the Jared Kelnick year. That if Jared Kelnick can be that big piece that everyone always hoped, that this team could be a real, real contender to get out of the American League. You know, Astros go maybe down a peg losing Verlander. I know they signed Jose Abreu. They're probably a team we're going to talk about what the teams that just missed. But they can kind of compete with anybody after these moves as, as they filled in the holes that they had. They didn't have many, but they filled them. Bailey, I want to go with you then to Aram. Would the, would the Mariners have been the final pick here for you? They, they were on my board. Um, they would not have been my final pick. I had, I would say at least two or three teams. I liked more than them. Wow. Um, but, uh, I really like the winker for Wong trade because it was just, it was just not happening with Winker in Seattle. I think Winker is very talented. I think Winker could very well have a good season with Milwaukee next year, but he, if he's that there were things coming out of the locker room that he was just like not interested in being there. And the fact that they were able to get a Colton Wong type player in return, I think is pretty great for them. Um, and then, uh, but the, the other part of me is just, you know, they, the way their team set up right now, they're absolutely going to give Jared Kelnick like a crack at being an everyday player for, you know, hopefully one of the better teams in the American league. But uh, if anyone's familiar with my work on uh, my second channel, Foolish Bailey, they will know that I am a Jared Kelnick number one, like doubter. So, uh, you know, if in that regard, you know, I don't know if Cooper Hummel, who they acquired from the Diamondbacks, you know, represents uh, an attractive alternative or not. Um, but at least they at least they have somewhat of a contingency plan for Kelnick as they have had in years past. Arm, what do you think? Would you have chosen the Mariners there? I think they're they're definitely one of the final teams. I think they're they're right there. I would have been deliberating between them and a couple more. And I'm excited to see you know what what everybody else had. But you know I, I like it because again, if you're able to turn a reliever and you're an organization that just seems to have so much success with that, and you have some other guys coming up through the system that could potentially be impact relievers, you've still got the eighth and the ninth inning pretty much accounted for. You can turn a reliever into arguably a guy that could one be one of your better, better middle of the order bats next year. I, I think that's a no brainer. And then, you know, piggybacking off of what you both said with you know, swapping Winker into, into somebody like Colton Wong, which yeah, again, the reports about Winker and, and it all kind of backed up with, with what you saw from kind of the, the defense and the outfit, which has always been bad, but it was even worse. And you just, didn't really see him hitting the ball nearly as hard. It just, it just didn't seem like it was ever going to happen in Seattle and Wong fits exactly what they need. Uh, I, I think this team is a lot more balanced now and uh, I'm really excited to see how they use Matt Brash. Uh, but I think that there's, that there's a kind of a need to, or an ability to kind of use him in different ways. And, and Hummel is a great defender. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him, but Kyle Lewis being that, you know, he, he was kind of, that that guy can't be your contingency plan because of how beat up he is to play the outfield kind of stretching him thin. So to swap him for a guy that can at least play good defense, if it's not working for Kelnick, probably better defense than Kelnick. Uh, I think that that really works out there. So I, I like what they did. It's definitely a positive off season from them. Yeah. The reason why I picked them over a couple of teams that we're about to get into is I felt the moves were so precise. Like the Mariners know who they are. They know what their weaknesses was. They knew Winker was a weakness. They knew they had so many bullpen arms so they could trade from that level of strength in the bullpen. And they made the exact moves that they needed. They needed a second baseman. They got Colton Wong. They needed a big slugger in the outfield. They got Teoscar Hernandez. Like they just did everything that they needed to do. And all of the moves that they did made them better. So I'll start with the just miss. Like, for example, why I was deliberating between the Mariners and my just miss, which was the San Francisco Giants, is I felt the Giants, while they may have signed and acquired better players or at least a more extensive list of players. So in a if we're just looking in a vacuum of who had a better offseason, of who acquired more war, the Giants would lead them. But also, what is the Giants' direction after not getting Aaron Judge, not getting Carlos Correa? But they did sign Conforto. They signed Hanniger. 
Jock Peterson, Taylor Rogers, Sean Manaya, Ross Stripling. Those are better players and a more extensive list. But is that truly a better off season? That's why the Giants just missed for me. I'm curious, Bailey, would you have chosen the Giants over the Mariners? It's all about how you view off seasons, right? Yeah, I would have. I would have had them around the same tier. It's it was a very Giantsy Farhan off season in the end, where he made a couple, you know, middling smart moves that'll make the team better, but. At some point, you just want to you want to see that Correa type or that judge type signing for them. And it hasn't happened yet. And I think that's becoming frustrating for Giants fans. I agree. Arm is who's your just missed. Yeah, and I think it's important to, to not pit that that, you know, unfortunate circumstance of Correa and judge against the Giants. Right. Like because if, if that doesn't happen, we're looking at this as they added pretty good players. And and yeah. I'm a big fan of Mitch Hanniger. I liked the Hanniger signing. Uh, I think he's a good a candidate to kind of outperform what you got him for. If he doesn't, you're not going to get burned on that three-year deal. So I probably would have had the Giants as, as my next best team or the Astros. Because what I really like about what the Astros did is... Look, they didn't need to solve world peace. This is this is one of the best teams. This is the best team in baseball, arguably. So, you know, this is a team that, you know, yeah, you lose Verlander. That that was kind of, you know, expected in some ways because the way that they operate is is usually not paying guys that much in an average annual value. But to bring back Michael Brantley, I think, is an incredibly underrated move. When this guy went down, he was having another Michael Brantley year. You add Jose Abreu, which. The reason why they got Jose Abreu on top of being a good team that I think he wanted to be a part of is they were willing to to kind of overpay, quote unquote, and, and they used that Verlander money that they saved, I think, to overpay for Abreu and to add that kind of production and also that kind of leadership to that position. I mean, their offense is going to be an absolute force, which it already is. Now it's going to be even more of a force. They retain Montero. They make some other small moves between the margins, but I loved retaining Michael Brantley. He was one of my favorite underrated targets. And then to combine that with, with Abreu, I mean, this team, they didn't need to do much. And I, I think, you know, aside from Verlander, I think they got, they got better in a lot of ways. Bailey, you give Arm a big thumbs up when you said <laughs> the Astros, were they on your just missed? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I, I thought I was going to pick him in this draft for sure, just because I really like Abreu. And if there was any team that could afford to lose Justin Verlander is probably the Astros. Yeah. Framber. Javier, you go down the line, McCullers, Hunter Brown, who might be our pick for rookie of the year. This team, you know, I'm talking about the Yankees might be the prohibitive favorites, the team that they still have to get through, the team that won the World Series, the team that has dominated, it seems like every season for the last half decade is still the Houston Astros. And even though they lost Verlander, they might be even better next year. Bailey, last just missed team. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of the same logic that drove me to draft the San Diego Padres in the first place. This is a relatively they made one move and it was a good move. And that's about it this offseason. And that's the St. Louis Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals, by moving on from late, late, late career uh, Yadier Molina to Wilson Contreras. That is a massive upgrade. That's one of the biggest positional upgrades you you could expect to see in any given offseason for any given team. Uh, and to get him for five years, 88 million in this market seems very reasonable. He's coming off uh, what was maybe his best offensive season in the big leagues yet. And you're looking at, you know, with the catcher position being what it is, like um, they needed... Uh, uh, they need another good bat in there because you saw them kind of get exposed at times in the, in the playoffs with, you know, Molina taking, you know, important at bats with runners on base when he just was, he's just not a good offensive presence for them anymore. And we don't know what the catcher position is going to look like at the end of Wilson Contreras' contract. There may be robo umps for all we know. And, and if not, he has the bat to uh, occupy a DH spot as well. So I really like the, the signing of uh, Wilson Contreras. They haven't really lost anybody. They got Wayne Wright back on another one year deal. So he's going to be pitching till he's 50. And um, yeah, so I think just, you know, you're talking about a team that won their division and then made one move that made them obviously better. So I go Cardinals. And one reason, of my, yeah, no, I was gonna say one of, the, one of my favorite uh, Rule Five picks in a long time was Wilking Rodriguez, <laughs> who throws 101 and hasn't pitched an affiliated baseball since we were in like high school. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just had to plug that one in there because he's a crazy story and absolutely nasty. Uh, and and I'm telling you, I think that's gonna be the the next uh, Cardinals like spawn freak 
reliever in the back end that throws fuzz uh, with a nasty breaking ball. Uh, so look out for Wilkins Rod- Wilking Rodriguez, uh, who was signed by the Yankees, did not throw one pitch for them and got taken away in the rule five draft. So uh, I thought that was a cool move. It is crazy that one one from Rodriguez is going to be moderately slow in that bullpen with Helsley and Jordan <laughs> Hicks and that slew of, of flamethrowers. The only reason I get annoyed with the St. Louis Cardinals uh, because to your point, they did add in a position of need. They're a catcher, but I would argue that the rotation needs to be dealt with. Could they trade for Tyler Glass now from the race? Could they trade for Pablo Lopez? Could they pick up the damn phone? Can John Mosellock stop being chicken shit? I've said that before. Like, grow up. Go get a starting pitcher. You need a starting pitcher, especially after losing Jose Quintana. Like, I liked when they went to go get Jamont, but a rotation right now of Wayno, Michaelis, Jamont, and then Flaherty, and then Mats. Like, this is they'll win the division because the NL Central is not a good division, but. Will they compete for a World Series if they don't add a big-time starter? And they didn't get Rodon. So if they don't pick up the phone and trade where they could right now, they have Nolan Gorman, they have Alec Burleson, they have so many offensive prospects. Trade, and then Arm, I think, summed it up best. Trade anyone but Jordan Walker. Go get that big-time starting pitcher. Did that factor into the just-missed? Maybe why they didn't make um, the snake draft for you, Bailey? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that you summed it up beautifully. They they have this really unique position where they can go and get someone and, uh, you know, it's shit or get off the pot, basically. Yeah, figure it out, Cardinals. But this was an awesome episode. Bailey, we have to thank you for joining the Just Baseball Show. Again, if you haven't checked out Foolish Baseball or Foolish Bailey on YouTube, the link is in the episode description. Bailey, I know we've been plugging your YouTube, but Feel free to plug anything before we go. Greatly appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, Also follow me on Twitter at FoolishBB. We'll put that in the episode description as well. Arm, anything else before we go? No, man, I appreciate it. Uh, Looking forward to more of the uh, plays on words with with names. Um, I'm waiting for more of those, uh, but I'm always a big fan of that. Uh, But appreciate you taking the time, brother, and uh, looking forward to connecting again soon. Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. Just so uh, I think we had one thing. Jack had a celebrity question or uh, what is that? When a person comes in with a question that wasn't yeah, it's a celebrity question, like in yeah, beer it's a punk, cele- celebrity shot. Yeah. Um, sure. Identify which play on a guy's name sexually is his favorite. Tearing up her Vavra till she owes is my wow. goat. Yeah. I mean, that's the one I had to delete. Um, I'm gonna go, <laughs> that's what that means it's the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with the classic. Um, what's that now? What's a good one? Oh, I'm going to go. Oh, I got it. Um, call her, call her Lars the way she knew on my bar. It's got to yeah, be the best that was, one. That was yeah. A good one. Yeah. That's what you're missing on Foolish Bailey's Twitter. Go follow that. That's in the episode description, the YouTube as well. But Bailey, thanks again for jumping on. We'll see you later. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.